Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Just an, a wave of fear suddenly took over the entire world in, in, yeah. in a timeline that really felt like overnight almost. And it was almost surreal uh, to just watch. And I felt like as I just prayed um, over everything that was happening, it was like, God, what are, you know, what are you doing here, Lord? And I, I felt like over and over what God was showing me was, um, you know what, this is, this is a shaking time. I'm, I'm shaking my people awake and reminding mm-hmm. them that, that they serve a God who sits on a throne who is unshakable. And no matter what circumstances we face, uh, he's holding us tightly and he knows the beginning from the end. Um, and, and we don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid. Hi, I'm Mike Tom. Colleen Hood is off today. Today's guest has a brand new Bible study that works through the book of Ezekiel. And it might be just the perfect Bible study for the times that we find ourselves living in. That conversation's coming up right here on the Connections Podcast. Erica Wiggenhorn is an author and Bible teacher and one of the very first guests we ever had on The Connections Show and happy to have her back. She was on first in 2019. Erica, what have you been up to the last three years? Well, I don't know, Mike. Did you know that there was like this world pandemic that happened the last three years? Uh, I heard something about it. Maybe a little something. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Life's been pretty interesting the last three years, but... Uh, God has certainly been faithful in my life. I hope he's been faithful in yours. And I have had the wonderful opportunity to continue to write and speak in ministry and have two more books published through Moody Publishers since we were last together. So that's exciting stuff. Did it give you more time to write and new inspiration in some ways? Did you find, I don't know, new creative life coming out of the pandemic? I think what it really gave me is an urgency to write, an Ah. urgency for uh, God's people to come alive and to begin to live in the confidence of the faith and the future that we have and knowing that we have a God who is in control and holds all things together, like we're told in in the scripture. Um, I found it really interesting to, to witness, I'd never witnessed in my lifetime, certainly, Uh, how just a wave of fear suddenly took over the entire world in in, in a timeline that really felt like overnight almost. And it was almost surreal uh, to just watch. And I felt like as I just prayed um, over everything that was happening, it was like, God, what what are you doing here, Lord? And I, I felt like over and over what God was showing me was, um, you know what, this is, this is a shaking time. I'm, I'm shaking my people awake and reminding mm-hmm. them that, that they serve a God who sits on a throne who is unshakable. And no matter what circumstances we face, uh, he's holding us tightly and he knows the beginning from the end. Um, and, and we don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid. And so it gave me an urgency to want to write things, to point people back to the word of God, to say, trust God, trust God, trust God. 
even as God was reminding me of that, you know, trust me, Erica, your circumstances don't make sense, certainly. Um, But I am beyond these circumstances and you can trust me. I love it. And uh, your new book, it's an eight week Bible study and maybe perfectly tied in with that. It's called An Unexpected Revival, Experiencing God's Goodness through disappointment and doubt. Now, an eight-week Bible study based on the book of Ezekiel. So maybe give people a quick reminder, what was going on to Ezekiel and God's people during that time? I know people always say that they're like, Ezekiel, I know I know yeah. nothing about that book of the Bible, uh, which maybe piques people's interest a little bit. But what's interesting to me about Ezekiel is The whole premise of God's prophecies to Ezekiel were the people that Ezekiel was prophesying to, they were looking around and they were saying to themselves, our circumstances are not what we had hoped. Um, We're flooded with doubt. We're flooded with disappointment. God did not do what we wanted him to do. And in order for God to bring revival back to us, he has got to fix these circumstances. That was what the people were saying. And the circumstances that they wanted fixed were, we want political reform. We want um, religious fervor instituted back in our city in the way that it should be in the way that God designed it. And I hear those same things being spoken over and over by Christians today. And God was trying to bust himself out of this box that his Mm. people had put him in. Like, look, God, here's our checklist of what we want you to do. And if you don't do these things, revival can't happen. And God kept saying, no, you you don't understand. Um, Circumstances don't define my plans and capabilities. I'm God and I am way outside of circumstances. And so... I think it's such a timely message because we're all sort of sitting here saying, uh, God, we want life to look a certain way. And if it doesn't, I don't think you can revive me. I don't think you can um, bring me a full life full of unshakable faith. And God's Mm -hmm. saying, oh, just watch me. Just watch what I can do. Uh, But what else is really interesting about the book of Ezekiel, Mike, is um, it's really the first place in scripture where God is using these terms of revive and revival and come alive and a new spirit and a new heart. And so because it's the first place that God is really mentioning these things, our ears ought to perk up because it tells us that God is about to do a new thing. And Anytime God's going to do a new thing, I don't know about you, but I get excited because I'm like, okay, what are we going to learn about God now? What are we going to see about his heart? And what's interesting is when I asked people, I sent just an email out to my online devotional community. And I said, when you guys think of revival, what do you think? What what would revival look like in your own life? And people really came back with two things. The first thing they said was, I want to learn how to pray more. And I want to learn how to pray with power and intentionality. I want to learn how to pray regularly. That was the first thing. And the second thing that people said over and over was, I I don't really understand this whole concept 
of the Holy Spirit. Either we don't really talk about the Holy Spirit in my particular denomination. And so when I'm hearing all these things about revival and pouring God's spirit out, I don't really know what that means. I don't really get that. Um, or we talk about the Holy Spirit so much in my denomination that I'm not really sure I'm even fully uh, understanding what it means to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. That seems almost like for special people in my denomination, maybe not for me. Yeah, and, right. And so in an unexpected revival, we talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. And we spend really a whole week examining what did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? Why did he send him? What did Jesus say the Holy Spirit would do? What did Jesus say we should ask for from the Holy Spirit. And so that becomes the capstone of Ezekiel's prophecies and God's promise to pour pour his spirit out and give us a new heart and a new spirit. We really dial in to the Holy Spirit and everything that Jesus said about him. And Come that, on. yeah, oh, that, that opens the pathway to revival right there. I love that. And I found it really interesting, like, you mentioned, you know, the people that put God in a box and yeah, we do that now. Right. And you hear from churches and different Christians, like we need to do this so that God can do this. And we need to, well, it could be, we need to vote this way so God can do this. And it's a great reminder. No, we need to be connected to what God is doing. Right. Right. Well, it's kind of like that old Blackaby quote, you know, where he said, find out where the spirit of God is moving and then go there. Mm. And and we're like, yeah, yeah. But then we sit around and we go, but how do we find how? that out? <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, well, scripture you, you, tells us. Yeah. Yeah. And in the book of Ezekiel, he tells us, right? And you, you'd said there's a phrase repeated often in the book of Ezekiel. Uh, tell us what that is again. Yeah, so over 50 times, God says the same phrase to his people. He says, then you will know that I am the Lord. And, you know, it's not like, a, well, then I'll show you who's God. It's not that at all. Uh, we miss God's heartbeat entirely if we read it with that tone. God is essentially saying, then you will know that I am the Lord. And that word know is that Hebrew word yadah. And it's the picture of complete intimacy. It's the word used when a husband first knows his wife on their wedding night. There's nothing hidden between them, complete and total oneness. And then the word Lord, then you will know that I am the Lord is the Hebrew word Yahweh. And that means the God who creates and enters relationship. And so what God is telling uh, his people through the prophecies of Ezekiel over 50 times is, listen, when I do this, you will have complete and total oneness with me and understand my deep desire for relationship with you. That is what God is repeating over and over to his people. And so it's an invitation to intimacy. And that's really what revival is at the end of the day, Mike, is mm. oneness with God and understanding how every single thing that is happening in our lives is all an invitation to know God more fully and to experience his love more deeply and profoundly in our lives. I find that really interesting. There's something about that word yada. Every time I hear it, it just like gives me peace just hearing it. So how do we get that kind of intimacy in our own lives then? What does that look like for us to be 
on that intimate uh, plane with God? Yeah, such a great question. Um, I'm going to just tell you a really quick one minute story that I two minutes probably that I think will illustrate <laughs> it. But uh, when my son was little, uh, we lived in a place and you Canadians will definitely understand this, but we lived in a place in the winter where you could not go outside and play. And so I'd often take my children to the mall, like a shopping mall, and they had an indoor play area. And there was this big purple hippo in the middle of the play area. It was made out of resin or some such thing. And my son used to love to climb up on it and jump off. And of course, I would tell him he can't do that because he's going to land on another, you know, another child or slip and fall or whatever. He was only about two or three at the time. And sure enough, every time we'd go, he'd climb up, he'd jump off. I'd tell him no. Uh, but one particular time we went and he exactly what I warned him happened and he <laughs> slipped and he banged his little chubby cheeks right on the ear of this hippo. And immediately his nose just started gushing blood. So he falls off the hippo and he grabs his nose because it hurt and he's crying but he pulls his hand away and there's just, you know, blood all over his hand because his nose is bleeding and he panics in that moment. And he just runs to the nearest mom sitting around the edge of this playground while I'm way on the other side and I'm running after him, you know, with the baby wipes ready to scoop him up in my arms and tend to his wounds. But in the moment of his, bruising in the moment of him falling, he just ran to the nearest person he could find. And I think as believers, as children of God, we do this all the time, right? Our oh. father wants is running after us as yeah. fast as he can, ready to scoop us up in his arms and tend to our wounds. But we just go running to the nearest thing, whether yeah. it's mind numbing television, substances, um, shopping, busyness, so we don't have to think, a toxic relationship. I mean, it could be a gazillion things. And God is saying, listen, I want to be the one to be the lover of your soul. I want to bring comfort to your heart. I want to bring peace to your anxiety. I want to bring hope to your depression. I want to bring my healing touch to your aching heart. Um, don't go running to the nearest thing run to the best thing, run to your heavenly father. And that's really what revival looks like is saying, having an honest conversation with our father and saying, what am I looking to, to bring help and hope to my life that is not your best for me, God? I love that. As a, I struggled for years with addiction and it all came out of like trauma and tragedy. And that was exactly me just running to the first thing I could, right? And uh, yeah, that led to a decade of substance abuse where God was like, by the end of the addiction, I thought I was so far gone, he'd never come back. And when I stopped and turned around, I realized he was right there the whole time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what is, like, what do you think prevents us from experiencing this then not only in our own lives but as churches or as countries as you know so often people pray for revival is it that we're putting god in a box still is it that lack of understanding of the holy spirit what is the biggest thing you think that keeps us from experiencing this yeah i think it is definitely both of those things um but i think 
scripture makes it really clear on the pages of Ezekiel that there's two things that have to happen in order for God to bring revival. And the first one is repentance. Um, and, and that's not a difficult term for people that have been in church at any time at all is having that honest conversation with God and saying, what is it in my life that is really keeping me from you? Um, that's the first step is repentance. But the second step that we see in God bringing revival is this concept of reckoning of the shepherds. And God goes into this scathing rebuke in, in Ezekiel over Israel's shepherds and their spiritual leaders. And they're saying, you have not cared for my sheep. You have exploited my sheep. And mm. I think it's really interesting because I feel like we're seeing this reckoning in a pretty major way um, across oh, the yeah. church. And, you know, our enemy wants us to get discouraged by that, Mike, and look around and go, you know, none of these, none of these pastors really love Jesus and everything is fake and nothing is true. And the church is a bad place. And, you know, I shouldn't even be a part of church anymore because it's so full of sin. And, you know, we see yeah. this deconstruction movement. And that's what exactly how our enemy wants us to respond. But in reality, what we ought to do is sit back and marvel over the fact that God promised in his word 2,500 years ago that he would hold his shepherds to account. He sees these shepherds and he expects them to be caring for the sheep. And when they don't, he will bring them to a reckoning. And that's exactly what we're seeing. And so we're seeing the the incredible promises of God come to life and we're seeing God's ultimate care for his people. And what excites me is those were the two things that happened right before God said, I'm about to send revival is repentance and reckoning. And that's exactly what we're seeing across the, the church of the world today. And so it gets yeah. me excited because I'm like, ooh, revival's coming. We're seeing it again. Um, and so that's what it ought to do is get us excited. God is doing exactly what he promised in his word, and we can trust him to be faithful to keep his promises. It's funny you said it gets you excited. Like, well, my first thought was actually it scares me as a preacher and teacher. <laughs> but then <laughs> Second, it made me really excited because I've been discouraged covering Christian news, especially the last couple of years. It seems scandal after scandal we're writing about. But yes, it excites me because of that way you've helped me reframe it in my mind. Oh, this isn't anything but a reckoning and God is holding his people to account. And those who don't follow, he's doing away with then. Yes, yes. He's just fulfilling his promises, like you said, and that's exciting. Right. It's leading to revival. Uh, you said earlier, like, yeah, you think revival's on the horizon. Um, so is that the first thing that you think is happening then? Kind of the shift of there's a reckoning now and, and repentance. Is there other things that we should watch for as it comes? Well, it's called an unexpected revival for a reason, Mike. I think huh. we, you know, going back to that whole putting God in a box thing, I think a lot of us, maybe we have a very uh, definitive idea of how revival should look. If it's, you know, a giant tent with a polished preacher and people, you know, falling on their knees, wailing and coming to Christ. I mean, we might have a very definite idea. And when God brought revival 
through the people of Ezekiel's time, he did it in a way that they did not expect at all. It was the exact opposite of what they expected. It was the people that felt cast aside and disregarded and counted out. Um, they felt like maybe they were being punished by God. Uh, they felt like they didn't have God's favor. They felt invisible, forgotten. And those were actually the people that God chose to bring revival through. And so I think, I don't think revival is going to be this thing that we look for out there. I think revival is going to be the thing that we look for in here, meaning inside our heart. And so I think revival is going to be the woman at her kitchen sink doing dishes who just feels invisible. She feels forgotten. She feels alone. Um, she feels worried about the future. She's exhausted, weary, caring for kids, and she's just crying out, Lord, help me. You know, I think it's going to be um, the the man in the cubicle at work or the woman in the cubicle at work who's maybe battling that secret habit, that secret addiction, and they are, um, they don't know how to get out of it. They don't know how to turn their life around, and they're saying, Lord, help me. Um, I think it's the the person on their school campus or their college campus, and they have big dreams and big, big wide eyes about their future. And they want to do something significant in the world. And they're crying out and saying, God, use me. Um, I think that's how revival is going to come. It's going to come through individuals that are saying, God, show me anything in my life that is keeping me from you and come and do your work in my heart. Um, come show me what it means to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as God sparks revival in those individual hearts, we know how flames spread, right? One, yeah. one little light spreads and spreads and spreads, and then we have this unquenchable fire. And I think that's how God's going to bring revival. It's not going to breathe through the the big name preacher with a million real views on Instagram. It's going to be in quiet corners where it's entirely unexpected. And all of a sudden we see these changed lives by the power of the Holy Spirit that go yeah. and change another life and another life and another life. It's really interesting. I think it was last year, Melissa Helzer uh, came out with a new song called Revivals in the Air. And the story behind that song is actually about her brother coming out of addiction. And the whole point being exactly that revival, starting with just one heart being transformed by the power of Jesus and the spirit in their lives. And then going from there. I love that thought. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it gets us to pause and say, God, right? um, you know, yeah. is it me? Is it my heart? Do you want to start with my heart, God? I'm going to give yeah. you heart and let you have your way with me um yeah when you said to like <laughs> when you said to ask god you know what is it in my life holding me back like i think really important in that moment then is to ask the question and then exactly what you said pause right like don't keep praying mm -hmm. ask and stop sit in silence sit with the bible study maybe right through the book of ezekiel and and read scripture and then just sit there in silence and, and let the spirit speak to you. Yeah. And that's a big part of, of how an unexpected revival is structured is really, you know, reading through the passage and then sitting with some contemplative questions before God um, and allowing him to speak. And, you know, going back to that whole prayer thing, um, 
I found it really interesting that that was over and over the theme. People kept saying, I want to know how to pray regularly. I want to know how to pray powerfully. I want to know how to pray scripture. And so that really burdened my heart. And I actually created a, just a free resource and put it on my website called um, Five Rev five revival prayers and it's right there on the same page a book page of an unexpected revival that people can just go download that for free um, and just begin to learn how to pray scripture and pray those revival prayers but you know nothing transforms our hearts and lives like being in the word of god and oftentimes it's a struggle for us because we don't understand it. And certainly people are like, I have absolutely no idea what in the world is going on with these passages of Ezekiel. Uh, and so allowing me to just come alongside and kind of be that trusted guide and explain what God is really saying to his people here um, is just an unspeakable privilege that God has allowed me to do. And I'm so grateful. And um you know, the thing that I love about the passages of Ezekiel is probably more than any other book of the Bible, Mike, uh, God paints such poignant word pictures of his deep, deep care and love for his people. And he he does it in ways that just really grip your heart. And there were so many times when I was sitting reading through certain word pictures that he was giving to Ezekiel to communicate yeah. to his and I just cried because we see how much our father loves us. There is some uh, powerful and sometimes bizarre imagery in the book of Ezekiel too, right? Like the spinning wheel and lights and stuff. And But there's a deep uh, heartfelt message behind it all. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes it's really great to experience God's explanations of himself in fresh ways, right? Because we can get overly familiar with the basic messages of Christianity. And so to be able to open up a book of the Bible we're not really familiar with and listen to God explain his heart to us in a new way, in a fresh way, can really open us up to be filled with awe and wonder over him that maybe we haven't experienced in a while. The, the theology nerd in me could like do a two hour conversation on this with you, I think, but we should let you go soon. But the books, the books called Unexpected Revival, while you were writing it and studying Ezekiel, did you have any unexpected moments in the process? I certainly did. I, you know, the thing for me, you know, going back, like I, I've shared over and over with an unexpected revival is just this whole idea of, you know, what is it in your heart and life that is really keeping God at bay, keeping God at arm's length. And God really revealed some things to me where, you know what, I, I really thought I trusted God. Like I really thought, you know what, I've, I've moved past this mile marker on my own spiritual journey. I really believed that. And as I sat and unpacked Ezekiel's visions and heard God's heart in a fresh way, I realized, you know what, there's some areas of my life where I'm just not really trusting God as much as I like to think I was. And when God brought those things to light and I handed them over and just said, God, I'm so sorry. I, I really thought I trusted you with this and I can see now that I don't. Um, God just brought such peace 
such peace to my soul as I handed those things over because they were causing so much anxiety and angst in my life because I really wasn't trusting and I didn't even know that I wasn't trusting. And so God just brought a new level of freedom and a new level of peace and security to my heart that really did my heart some good, Mike. Tell us uh, the best way to connect with you and uh, get our hands on an unexpected revival. So the best way to connect with me would be go to my website, um, go to the book page, take a look at an unexpected revival. You can find a lot of free resources there to download. I mentioned the revival prayers. Um, I hang out pretty much every day on Instagram, so you can find me there too. It's just Erica Wiggenhorn, but um, I would just really encourage every every listener out there, uh, pray that bold prayer and say, God, where do you want to bring revival to my own heart and life? And, and where, where am I not really giving you full access to my heart? Come and reveal it to me. I hear him saying, Mike, Tom, you know, I've been trying to tell you for years, so I got some work <laughs> to get to, I guess. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Erica. It's so great talking with you again. It's great to be with you again. And please tell Colleen hello. I will for sure. And I'm going to get my hands on this book and go through the Bible study. I'm very excited now. Well, as one fellow Bible nerd together, <laughs> I think you'll probably really like it because I'm I'm just betting I'm betting Mike it's been a bit been a minute since you've gone through Ezekiel it has actually I was just thinking in 15 years of preaching I don't know if I've ever preached on Ezekiel actually too so yeah it's going to be eye-opening for me well I I would love to hear what God shows you in his word friend awesome you got it thanks Erica thank you you take care well, thanks to Erica for joining us. Make sure you check out that book and Bible study and make sure you subscribe and follow the Connections podcast. It's free. You can get it at podcastfield.ca or you can get it at any of your favorite podcast places like Apple, Google, Spotify. Just search for Connections with Colleen Hood and Mike Tom. We'll talk to you again on Connections.